Hey there, we're talking about strip till versus conventional tillage. How you go about managing the resources, the allocation of resources, the timing of the inputs, the advantages to strip till versus conventional till, and vice versa. I got Chad Henderson here. We're at Henderson Farms in Madison, Alabama. I got Galen Beer with Agro Liquid. All right. Farmers love pretty fields, Chad. Farmers love pretty fields. No-till struggles to catch on because it don't look pretty. But you know what? This is fine. It's holding It's holding a little bit more moisture, which is important to you. It's got residue up here, which is generally good. You know, let's that organic matter get in there. What's wrong with this other than the fact that it doesn't look like the conventional field that's just pretty? Well, uh, from our farm perspective, what we're trying to do here is we can't always work every acre up. You know, with, with the manpower and the machinery, we have to have different things. And also, it'll give you a different planting win window if you allow it. So what, what'll happen is like, hey, the strip hill ground will be drying with plant because it won't be, you'll be riding on top of the hard ground. Yeah. And the planter, and the planter will be kicking up a dust where it will be actually slick, you know, and a little too wet to plant sure. in areas. Or the conventional wouldn't be ready. So we, we have about 3,000 acres of corn this year. We have about 12 to 1,500 acres of strip till. Right. And we have a little bit of no-till. We have a good bit of conventional. It just broadens our horizon and stretches things out three, where we have different things going on. Three different methodologies from complete conventional, like yep. we've been doing for a century, uh, no-till, yep. and then strip, strip till. till. And the thing is, uh, you've got about almost half of your acres in strip till. Yeah. Okay. And how long you been doing the strip till? Uh, about three years now. So okay. I'm not a professional. I take anything <laughs> y'all got. I will take the wisdom gladly. <laughs> All right, Galen. Um, you're obviously AgriLiquid. We talk a lot about your your company. We always think of as the starter, as the stuff that goes out there. Yeah. And but it's not. Obviously, they dribble it on throughout the season, etc. Is there a difference in how we would use fertility? Um, from the standpoint of infurrow, two by two, dribble it on, wide drop, etc., from one method, say strip till, to conventional till. There is, Damien, and you know, when you get into strip till, you're putting that fertilizer down a, lot, a little deeper, so you're not seed contact with the fertilizer. So now you, ha you have a little bigger playbook that you can pull from yep. in order to make sure that you're meeting the needs of that crop. So you can do things like heavy rates of sulfur. You can be more aggressive with potassium, more aggressive with nitrogen if, you, if you're not worried about leaching the nitrogen components. So you can do things in a strip till that get some fertilizer out there ahead of that planter going over this acre. Is it because, why, could, it sounds like we're putting more. We can yep. put more, we can put more product out sooner with strip till, and I'm not sure I completely understand yep. why that would be. More pounds. We're talking in pounds. Yep. You know, and we need so, we know we know, we know we need so many pounds to make this corn plant run. Yep. We know we need so many pounds per each farm, per each field, per each soil type. You yep. know, so so it's things we can address. You know, if one farm's a little low in zinc, you can bump the zinc up at an affordable rate because we're dealing with a strip. Correct. You know, where we can bump the N up, we can adjust the rates easier because we're dealing with a smaller spot to fertilize and we're fixing zones that are smaller. In my case, a lot of the reason I do strip till is because it saves me about 50 or 60 bucks an acre. Okay, and then I got ground that's- No, wait, be, now, how's it, on what? Well, on fertility. So I'm, I can cut my rate back enough to where that band is still a pretty hot band, if okay. you will. Right. But I'm not fixing, trying to fix the whole zone. I'm fixing an eight inch wide strip. So I'm fixing the seed bed. What other differences, because this is a lot being tossed at me here, Galen. What, <laughs> what other differences are there in a conventional versus a strip till? That maybe, yeah. maybe the average person saying, hey man, I've been thinking about trying strip yeah. till. I'm a conventional guy, what? Yeah. So, and for sure, strip till can be a piece of time management as well, because to, to Chad's point, you need, there's just some 
nutrients you need a lot of pounds of. Yep. And so you, some of that you can put here in a strip. And what he's referring to a little bit is since you're banding it, you're not exposing that nutrition to all the sources of loss that you would get if you laid it on the surface or if you put it out there and broadcast it and it's more reactive with other elements in the okay. soil. We're, we're confining it to this space so yep. we can reduce that application. All right, so why, why are you not doing even more? About half your acres, 40 to 50% of your acres are strip till on corn. Why not do it all? Sounds like it's got a lot of advantages. I mean, it does, but we can't, the timeliness, you know, this thing needs to be run in our soil types. Let's say my planting window, you know, it's hard last few years for me to get planted in March, mm -hmm. okay? But my planting window is still the 15th of March is when I like to be running, yep. okay? It's been the 25th to the 1st of April. But if I'm trying to go 15th March, man, it's not a lot of window there to run a strip till, okay? Well, in the falls, when I love to be chasing the combines with it, I would say, running in November, 1st of December. Well, if you run this too wet, it's as much a problem. If you strip till wrong, it's as much a problem. You're not helping yourself, you're hurting yourself. So that's about the, unless I buy another rig and have another man, that's about the limit of the acres I can get to and do it correctly. I want to ask for the person, and and I'm one of them, I'm sure there's a lot of people like, okay, I've heard about this, tell me the methodology. <laughs> so you come out here with a thing that just it just tills up every every 30 inches, it yep. tills up four inches or something like this? Yep. So it's a it's a standalone rig. You've got to buy that piece of equipment. Yeah, you got to buy that piece. And of that's equipment. all it's good for. That's all. It's it doesn't good for. it doesn't turn into a swimming pool in that's the off season. <laughs> but it took but it took it took three passes to make that field look that way. One pass and this looks this way. Okay, so there's still a, even though you have to buy that piece of equipment, you saved yourself two passes. So man right. uh, manpower, fuel, and yep. uh, we can literally time. we can literally harvest and and a lot of ours is done too. See, our problem is we have double crop. It's wheat and then soybeans. Okay, yep. we have a good mat on top. And we can't get it dry under there without moving that cover in some form or All fashion. Right. So when we strip till, we can move that cover, but we still allow them to keep the cover there for the winter. So Gail and I are standing in a field that was wheat. It got harvested in June. It got put to soybeans. The soybeans came off in November. November October, and, November. And then this corn plant went in in March. This Well, this was actually the first week of April. First week of April. Yep. All right. What When we talk about the other differences, um, is there a difference on spoon feeding? That's a big topic we've talked about, yeah. Galen, of allocation of resources, getting yeah. it right where the plant, right time, right plant, right right time, right, mm -hmm. there's the four R's, okay. Yep. Right time, right product, right placement, yeah. et cetera. Is there a difference between this and conventional? Because it's still, what are these, 30, 30 inch row? I mean, what, there's not a lot of difference there, is there? There is some difference though. And and again, it, it comes back to those pounds of nutrient. You're, you're, you're putting all the nutrients right there at the plant's feet, basically. You're ensuring its accessibility. That doesn't mean you're never gonna broadcast something on a yeah, field right. like this because you still need that to a degree. But when you're, since Chad is rotating between several crops and sometimes conventional till, he can meet that need at other times. Yep. This year he's able to say, Okay, plant, all you got to do is go down a few inches and all everything you need is right there. We'll put the cherry on top when the planter rolls across this and add a few things in there. Like, so we'll address a lot of those things he's talking about in our wheat program. When we, when we spread our dry or put out chicken litter in front of our wheat, we're addressing the broadcast side of it. Then we're coming in in our corn and we're addressing the zone of it. Okay. So it's a, it's yes. a, it's a give and take, you know. Yeah. All right. Okay, one other thing then. You've saved money on diesel, on manpower, on wear and tear and equipment because you only went across this once, whereas conventionally you went across it three times. Can you take that money and put it somewhere else for a bigger yield? 
Well, you're always moving money around. I mean, <laughs> right. fertility's fertility. And until you're not really looking at it that way, you know, we're looking at all our corn acres as a vast, as one pool of money. Uh -huh. So I may be taking from this and giving to that. You know, it's just like a farm. You know, when you go buy a farm, you have to take two more farms and pay for that farm. It's grain yeah. bins the same way. You know, it's just the same same principle. When he runs through here, Galen, uh, come, you know, we're, we're recording this the May 10th, May 11th. So when he comes through here again on his next pass, what's, your next pass will herbicide. be herbicide. Three weeks from now? No, next Two, week. Next week from now. Next week from now. Um, next week from now. <laughs> what will what will be in the mix? Will there be any fertility in the herbicide mix? Mm. When is it ever not fertility in any of my mixes? Yeah, because you like to send it. So <laughs> what's he, let me guess what he's going to put here. Sugar? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Okay, what are you going to put in your herbicide tank? A bunch. Okay. No, I mean, you know. Will there, be, gonna, any of their, will there gonna, be any of his stuff? Well, we're going to run Micro 500. You know, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be from a quart do a little bit more in some cases, you okay. know, according to what we're trying to do. But we're going to have Micro 500 in the mix. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll have to look at the sheet on the zones of what we're testing. But overall, we will always have Micro 500, the crop. You need a crop, um, a Micro Pack. Yeah. If you will. My, and Micro 500 is your product, and it's, it, it's got... It, it, yeah, it's got five essential micronutrients yep. in it. Okay. It's got zinc, manganese, iron, copper, and boron in it. And this early, you know, the, the the unique part about this is we're talking about corn that's little out here. So you're still trying to get it off and running, making sure it looks good. As the season goes along, you might be tissue testing. You might refine what goes in 100%. that tank. But for now, it's probably a little more broad scale, making yep. sure we're keeping that plant balanced at this stage. So the next stage, when we come in with a wide drop, yep. the first wide drop, we run two wide drops. And the first wide drop, we start just like Galen talks about. We start addressing, addressing certain things. Yeah. The second wide drop, we address certain things for late season. It starts to shift. But the first herbicide spraying, we're generic spraying. We're killing weeds. We're we're going across it. Let's put a micro pack in it. Mm -hmm. If yeah. we know that we have a problem, then we'll use other things. You know, I mean, we have Furterain. I mean, we have other things that we could put in the box. You know. There's no difference on maturity. There's no difference on uh, once. Once we're at this point, there's not a lot of difference, though, is there? I mean, you're going to treat this next week with herbicide and then the micro 500 and micronutrient, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That conventional field I'm looking at across yep, the waterway, yeah. it'll be the same thing. Same yeah. thing. There's, not, yeah. a yeah. of, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of differences from here on. The from here on, well, no. from here from on that pass, it's not. But remember, we put different pounds in underneath this yeah. thing, so we might could change the wide drop according to what we was able to put under That's this right. road that we could. Yeah, because we started we started with more here. Correct, correct. So we can it gives us availability to make changes mid-season it does absolutely you know, it might be a silly question but the ability to put more in here now and we talked yesterday about low cec soils and leaching but does this organic matter on top is this residue on top does it change the leaching or does it not not a factor am i just thinking maybe well it always much? helps when you're covering a fertility up you know so in that part of it where we broadcast like like galen was talking about earlier you know with there's things that are viable yeah. you know when we have sun out you know there's gassing off there's things that are going on yeah. we can cover it up that's less likely to happen but remember you know with our cc's we can only put down so much to hold yeah, so when, that's out. our trickling yeah. effect from strip teal yep all the way through yeah, and we talked about low cec soils uh cation exchange capacity if you're not an agronomist which of course i am not uh <laughs> yesterday and we talked about is there a difference 
in this practice in a low CEC soil versus somewhere else that has much more. Yeah, yeah, to a degree there is. So if you moved out to the high plains where the CECs are higher, you actually can put a fair amount of nitrogen in early in that early because you could put it in that strip because you have a higher CEC to hold it and you don't get the rainfall. Chad would argue with me since he's been in a <laughs> drought, right. but typically speaking, they don't get the rainfall yeah. out there to leach. So the nitrogen is going to hang around for at least around. another another few months, or another yep, couple yep, weeks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. One last thing from each of you. Why do you look as I, you're you're? We pulled in here, and Chad was saying, "Hey, Damien, look over there. You see that thing we were talking about in one of our previous recordings?" Okay, he didn't say that. He says that thing we talked about, and he said, <laughs> and "He said, uh, oh, that's kind of yellow, it's kind of that." He sees stuff that maybe I don't see and maybe even other farmers would not see. Both of you just tell me what you're looking at when you, cause you can't help yourselves, you're scouts and you're scouting all the time. What are you seeing when you look out here that maybe even a good farmer is like, oh man, I might've missed that. I'll go first on that because <laughs> he told me the same thing and I'd already noticed it on the way in because I grew up on a farm. Yeah, so you yep. notice that early plant health. Yep. But the thing that we are looking at always is uh, what's that early stand count? I was out here yesterday. I took that, and I want to also see the consistency and the size of the crop. And then you do want to look at that color because while we know that we're not tissue testing yet, if there were something that were jumping out at you like a manganese deficiency or something like that, we might tell him to throw it in with that herbicide. Okay, and I, to, to his thing, and I want to get your point, I uh, certainly... Uh, I'm not the botanist here, <laughs> but I'm looking and I see a little bit of uneven stand. I see some plants that I are... I see a lot of uneven stand. Okay, all right. I was being generous. I was being nice. I was being gentle. You know, I was like, hey, have you gained some weight? I was being <laughs> yeah. like that, okay? Yeah. Uh, no, that was straight up. <laughs> so when are you expecting? Oh, um, well, I'm not pregnant. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm looking around here and I see some plants that are half size of the other plants. Yep. Is that anything to do about the practice? Okay, so it's not. Yep, it? it is. It's 100% meat. It's 100% me. So when I do me sometimes, that's what happens. But no, what it is, is that's when you learn easy. It's hard to make corn when poultry pulling corn. You're at 32,000 now. Now we're, so what What happens is, is sometimes with this strip till, if you get off of the row or um, if it's cloddy, then that's what happens. When your seed, when you hit a clod and your seed is not at the right depth and this was in the moisture, this was not in the moisture. Okay. These are things that happen that we can control, but that we use irrigation to fix. The best thing for this right here would have been to pre-irrigate, to pre-make a pre-pass and come back and then plant into better moisture, which I irrigated behind the planter. Okay. So there, there's things going on and, and this is a lot of what not to do. We learned a lot, we've learned a lot with strip tail about how important it is to stay on the strip. The planter's set up to run on this strip and it's softer. When you get off the strip, the corn is the yes. emergence will be, it could be a half to an inch shallower. There's a lot of things that go on in that. All right, by um, the way, I, I know Chad's now saying, I was already- put those down. I, I, I mean, you've showed them enough. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just like, you, you just keep showing how bad it is. Well, and Chad was struggling that I just I just reduced his population on this acre by two plants. But we do this because we at Extreme That's Ag right. are all about education. One this of the, is definitely what not to do here. One of the things we say is we've made the mistake so you don't have to. And I like the fact that we own it. You know, yeah. you, we've yeah, up in the field it. day. You go to field day, it's like, Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. This corn's gonna make you 62 pound <laughs> test weight yep. and 300 bushels. Nobody ever says, oh, this is a turd. This is a turd. <laughs> and to let Chad off the hook a little bit though, we are standing at the head of the field where it gets additional traffic. Yeah. Yeah. And you're always dealing with that traffic. When this strip tiller came through here, I promise you there's more clods on this part of the field yep. than there is out there. And yeah. so 
your unevenness of I appreciate of that, friend. I'm <laughs> trying to let you off the hook. Galen, you know? it's, it's true. The, and Chad, the, un, the unevenness yep. of Stan is going to be less pronounced out there than Correct. it is where we're yep. standing. You got right. it. We're but in the worst possible area. But you'll that. see it, too. You know, you'll see it when you're planter, when you're planting, and I do I do most all the corn planting. But when you see it, and, and you definitely, this is where we get in time of the year where you've got to keep a good check on where you're putting your seed and the moisture available. Because you'll see if you start looking, and we can go out here and I can show you all kind of things that's wrong. But when you start going up on those rises where we run out of moisture, the corn plants are still there. They're just behind. Yeah. And that's just that was just us missing the depth on it, you know. Just uh, last it's thing. Part of it. la it's, farming. it's It's where we farm 3,000 acres. You're going to mess up on. <laughs> a couple acres. Yeah. Uh, assuming it's not as bad out there as where we're standing, what do you think the yield penalty is on this amount of unevenness that you think is on this actual field? It won't, it won't be near what it will be when it hits 185 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so, right, so right now, unevenness yeah. of stand we know can be a yield deduction, but if we get okay weather, it can bail you out? It can't bail us out. Our limiting, our factor was set. With unevenness, bam, we just we just took a chunk out of the barrel. All right. You know? But, but it's one of a hundred things that can that's limit correct. yield. So you don't want to overthink it either. So, you know? right. There are a few bushels. There's a few bushels that we can. I mean, you, you can't, you can't, there's, okay, we control the controllables. All right, we messed that up. All right, we move on. We're not going to rip this field up because, no, oh, it's yeah. uneven. I got a plan. I got to start now. So this is just a learning curve of doing a better job hitting the moisture with a planter. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's. Again, it's part of it. It's farming. It's real-world farming right here. Speaking of moisture in real world, right here in this field, it's actually starting to spit rain. So you know what? He's Galen Beer with AgriLiquid. He's Chad Henderson with Extreme Ag, and I'm Damian Mason, and we're talking about strip-till versus conventional-till. I hope this is educational. It certainly was for me.